I don't know whether the FCA is woke or whether that's a, a sticking plaster turf. Let's 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 try to drag you. Well, not drag. Let's try to tempt you over leftward for a second. They're having to buy new technology, which tends to be more expensive. They bring well, that's in. That's why delaying it is also good because it will mean that the cost of the technology will come down. That's why bringing uh, uh, extending the life of us being able to. But I don't think it has to come down. I think the business pay for it. I think they just go. Ten thousand pounds for a heat pump. As if yes. you buy a single one. Now. You're talking so about I'm, I'm a... multi-million-dollar companies, Christo. <laughs> Ba-ba-ba-da-bow! Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Aid Thompson and Other Disappointments. Episode 212, Ron now. And this is probably the last guested one before the big live show next week. Yes, I will plug it to you guys now. You can you can skip past this stuff and all the podcast admin if you like. But look, I'm just saying, if you're in and around London on Thursday the 28th of September, do yourself a favour, get yourself a ticket, come down. It's going to be me, John Left of the Countryside, uh, Ashley Hayden, who's been up to the Edinburgh Fringe a bunch of times. Um, he's garnering quite quite a reputation for being sort of ranty and acerbic and obviously very political. Can't imagine why I love him. Um, and also Byline Times' uh, chief satirist, Otto English, will be joining us. He's going to be doing a live set also. Uh, so, yeah, grab a ticket to that. There'll be a link in the description. Um, what else? Got loads of stuff coming up on the Patreon soon. If you are partial to the podcast, if you've enjoyed sort of two or three episodes now and you know you're feeling my vibe maybe consider jumping on that it's patreon.com forward slash aid thompson and you get episodes of the show two days before everyone else you also get access to a uh, an rss feed so you could just plug that straight into spotify or apple and have it go directly into that you get access to the discord chat where all of the other patreon backers jump in there we do london-based meetups we've done a couple of those in which i drank way too much tequila fell asleep on a train and had a very expensive taxi ride home. So that's where that Patreon money goes. Um, yeah, so that's patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson. Guys, my guest tonight, very excited to have him on the show. Uh, he's a former LBC and ITV bod. Uh, more recently, you've probably seen him as a panellist on the Jeremy Vine show on Channel 5 and indeed his own show on Talk TV and Talk Radio. Um, he and I sat on the same panel on uh, Byline TV's The Table last year. Uh, I thought it was a good egg, and I was very, uh, very pleased when he agreed to come on the show tonight to wax lyrical about all things politics, news, and dystopia. Please welcome to the show, Christo Fufas. Woo! That's you doing, sad man? to applaud myself, isn't it? Yeah, well, sometimes you have to, you know. Yeah. It's the only fan I have. Hello, thank you for asking me on. Uh, yeah, well, you're very welcome. It's lovely to have you on. How's things, man? Yeah, all right. I'm in my vine gear because I just did one earlier today. Yeah, I um, thought, my God, he's really dressed up for me. This is nice. Well, I mean, you clearly didn't get the memo. But yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that's why I'm not usually this dressed up, dressed up in my uh, in my kitchen. Yeah. But, um, yes, I'm very happy to be here. So thank you very much indeed uh, for asking. I feel quite honoured, actually, um, bearing in mind um, the uh, uh, the company you keep. Sure. And I mean that kindly. Yeah, I mean, I suppose like a, a few few episodes ago, like sort of mid middle of last year, I got some criticism from some friends saying like, you know, you have a lot of people on 
who were of the same political sensibilities as you, like it would do you good to be challenged and to challenge. And, and so I had a couple of people on who were, you know, Brexiters and sort of right leaning. Um, but I haven't for a while. So, yeah, it's really nice to, uh, to get you well, on. Well, first, of all, I'm not a Brexiter. I was a, a, a passionate sure. Remainer. But I, I think that that is so fundamentally important. The problem, I think, with media nowadays is that we just want echo chambers mm. and we it's really easy to fall into that habit. And I, I get a bit of it on my show, actually. I adore my audience. I've got a lovely little early morning I say little, quite substantial, actually, uh, early morning <laughs> audience. And I shouted at them last week. And uh, sometimes I have to give them a bit of tough love because I uh, have people on like Jonathan Liss. I have, uh, I've had Narinda on in the past. I've had uh, uh, Richard Power Saeed. Do you know him? The former uh, no, Labour advisor. Okay. I, I have people on that are, are, are right, centre-right as well, that I'm probably more aligned with. Um, I have people on who are way more right-wing than I, but I think that it's... Uh, but I get tweets and texts from people saying, I, I'm not listening again. Why have you got this person? I can't stand them. And I don't know why last week, but I said, I'm, I'm not going to stop doing it. You yeah, know? yeah. And I can't stand someone who's humourless in it, but I'm not going to stop having people on that I and you might disagree with because it's so important because what is happening nowadays is in every single debate and... In some of the debates, it works. In some of the debates, it's necessary. But all too often, it's the loudest voices on the furthest fringes that get the the most coverage, whereas a lot of the answers to a lot of our problems are actually somewhere near the middle. Mm. And those voices, I don't think, get heard enough. And we also don't have enough uh, civil debate. And I don't think we have enough as well of, um, you know what, I agree with you on that, but I disagree with you on this. That mm. seems to have gone out the window it seems and... like people are really emboldened uh by their by their twitter followers or by their facebook comment section or whatever in a way that perhaps 20 years ago 30 years ago people in society would generally understand you'd have to negotiate a bit with the other side you go okay well look you get this but then we get that and you know well, we didn't get everything that we want but we did get x y and z you know now it feels like when the other side in air quotes uh ask for something then our side or you know whoever the adversarial side is uh, sort of mock it and disparage it and then go back to, back to their own side and go yeah look look what a fucking idiot do you know what i mean and yeah. then they get emboldened they're like yeah right on aid yeah you or told they, him and i agree or they jump to your racist your transphobic your um you know the names start coming out you're you're um you're just an ignorant tory mm. you're this you're that and it, and it's and you know it's entertaining it gets good ratings mm. i i i've been guilty of it i understand why it's necessary but i really think it's important when i'm on any of these panel shows i do try and sneak in at well actually i agree with you on that but not on this as i just yeah. said because um, I, I, you just have to. You just have to. And but but also not fake it. And that's the other thing as well. But then where because do you I think? Where there's do a you... bit of faking it that goes on as well now, just to have the outrage. 
Right. Oh, you mean a sort of panelist like maybe slamming their fists down or like deliberately getting a bit het up, and then as soon as the cameras are off, they're like, "Right, okay, well, that was good TV." And then yeah, or right, I'll disagree. I did it a bit myself this morning. Actually, I'll tell you how. But I, I or disagreeing with something just because it's a Labour idea, or this morning, um, I happen to disagree anyway. But we were talking about the Rishi Sunak net zero yeah. uh, pledges that have, have and his speech that has just taken place. And Boris Johnson, obviously, has said that he's wrong. Um, and I think I made a comment along the lines of that I wouldn't believe Boris Johnson if he told me that my house was on fire, because <laughs> I presume he wanted to marry the head of the fire station and he'd have shares in the water company to put it out. Mm. Um, and I sort of fell in the trap that I'm, I'm dismissing it because Boris Johnson said it. Yeah. Now, I happen not to have been faking it, because I, I, I do agree with Rishi Sunak in what he said, in this speech but it's all it's it's very easy to fall in the trap that yeah. i don't like who's delivering the idea so i'm going to hate the idea i had exactly the same situation i was talking about it on my solo show the other day where so the russell brand thing has obviously become gigantic story the biggest showbiz story in in however long um and youtube demonetize or google announced that youtube would be demonetizing uh and there were a lot of people saying that's like they, they wouldn't get on board. This is cancel culture and you shouldn't be able to demonetize somebody because the videos have nothing to do with the supposed, you know, the allegations and so on. So what if he's innocent or what if person X over here was innocent and then you just remove their livelihood? Um, and yet I so that was I, I was wondering about that conceptually. I was thinking, do I feel comfortable with that? Like exploring the idea. But the only people that I could find who were also wondering about that were people like fucking Katie Hopkins and Tucker Carlson. And and I was like, but then well, if, who, if who, I agree with them, it's like or if I disagree with them just because they're people who I fundamentally disagree with about pretty much everything else. Yeah. I, am I, I being tribal? I, I see that. And. Um... Well, actually, you found someone else because I, I think that the women who have made allegations should be heard mm. that have accused Russell Brand. I think it's really important that those accusations, which are going to be probably backed up with a great deal of evidence. It was a four-year investigation. Um, I really tried to watch it actually through the prism of it all being a stitch-up, and I found that I couldn't join the dots yeah. very easily on that. Um, however, whenever I've been talking about it, discussing it, reporting on it, throwing it open to conversations i've been stressing like there is no tomorrow that he has not been charged with anything there is no criminal aspect to this yet um that he denies all of these allegations which is so important mm. to point out and i feel deeply uncomfortable with the idea of based on that based on innocent until proven guilty that platforms can demonetize him or worse the government the members of the culture office mm. can request that um it, it, we do have he is still innocent until proven guilty now i, I don't say that to undermine anything that those no, women no, no. come forward with but it's I, at the moment it's just until there is a criminal element or a charge or anything like that it is it is purely an accusation yeah yeah, and it's it's such a tricky thing to manoeuvre around as well because he's so famous uh, and because the allegations are so serious and because people who are familiar with media and investigations will know that there is, like, there's no way that you would get The Times and 
Channel 4 both publishing this stuff unless they were very, very confident that they weren't, <laughs> weren't going to get sued for it. So there's, well, you know... And, and that was... that You're right. And that, that was exactly because so many people said all of this is going to come out because he has alternative views now and that this yeah. is all a stitch up. And I, I, I really try and look at both sides. I really try and... And, and do that in, in anything I do. And I really try to watch it through that prism. You know, is this all a stitch up? Could they have made it all up? No. But there were certain elements of that, that, you know, the fact that there had been an element of one of the accusations that went on record yeah. after way, way before he had any of these alternative views. Again, oh, yeah. that doesn't make him guilty of anything, no. but it's just, I couldn't join the dots with it all being some conspiracy because he's got a big YouTube following any, any, any question, the vaccine and the like. Yeah. I mean, I suppose, so there's a part of me that's like, look, I don't feel comfortable with like the second that somebody is accused of something that Google will get on its moral high horse and then just pull the plug. Uh, because I think in like somebody in a lesser position, let's just say it's like somebody works in a bank or somebody is, you know, a 50k a year radio presenter or or something like that. And then they're accused and then they have the plug pulled on them. You pull away their livelihood at a time where potentially like let's assume that this person is completely innocent and that these accusations are being uh, levied out of malice or, or whatever. I know that that's very edge case, but let's say like it could happen. And by pulling that livelihood away from them there, you you're turning off the tap of vital funds that they might need to hire a lawyer to prove that that's the case. So, And that's why so many of these stories are actually not about the unsavoury person mm. or however unsavoury that person might be th that is the subject. It's actually about the bigger picture. I found myself today uh, defending Nigel Farage. Now, again, I fundamentally disagreed with Nigel Farage over Brexit. Mm. Um, I think he's been an extremely effective politician, but mm. he's not someone that I, I, I think I share loads of common ground is, with. Is he a politician? I mean, he's never, never been well, elected. I mean, has he's he? the head of a political party, so well, yes, yeah. that, had, that had MEPs. I suppose, yeah. And that w went up for, and he, he, he went up for election quite many, many yeah. times. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, okay, anyway. yeah, but he was on. an MEP um, and he was effective at leading a political movement, I would say. So I would probably would class him as a politician. But the point I'm making is the the banking story around him and the report this week from the uh, Financial Conduct Authorities downplaying the idea of accounts being able to be taken from people. Yeah. Um, that story isn't about Nigel Farage. It's become about Nigel Farage because he's the most high-profile person that's been subject to that, the Coots account and things like that. But the fundamental issue of someone who, as you exactly as you just described, who is, uh, I don't know, a radio presenter, a, 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 a works in a shop, goodness knows what, that has views that are not aligned with the bank. Mm. Um, banking is now a human right, I would argue. You cannot survive these days without a bank account. And so to suddenly have that taken away from you when you've not got the resources to have accounts in, in, in with endless banks and you've not got resources to have access to other funds, because when your bank banking is, is withdrawn, um, the bank doesn't actually need to tell you why they've withdrawn. But isn't your... it like... So I, I agree. Like Banking is basically a human right. You can't kind of function in, in society without a bank account. Um, I think if banks were running around in with some sort of carnival of 
uh, activism and going, well, you know, we don't like you and um, and we're not on board with that. So we're going to we're going to bank cancel you over there. If that was what was happening, I would be like, OK, that's not that's not really on. But I think if you are a Nigel Farage and you've been standing in front of this big billboard saying Britain's full with loads of darker skinned young men on it, if you have this track record of the EU uh, what, what, isn't working, that was the that was the billboard, I think. Um, I thought it was like Britain's full. It was like Turkey's no, no, going to join no, the... No, the one you were talking about was the oh, one it? that he did uh, that was... Um, yeah. The EU isn't working and it was a load of of, of brown people. I, I've, I've yeah. called him several times on that because I, I think that, that... But isn't I there... Like, I, I guess... Person, but I think that was a racist billboard because it was only brown people that were on there and it wasn't people who would you would naturally associate with that would be with immigration from the EU. But then, uh, but then, like, if you take that and then you take the thing about, like, where he was on the radio show and he referred to a Chinese takeaway as a... As a like, I'm not even sure if it's okay for me, for me to say it, but, like... But it's like an outdated, problematic way of referring to Chinese with link. Yes, yeah. Um, so there's that, and then there's the history, the catalogue history of like when he was uh, a younger man, supposedly, allegedly walking around his Dulwich College, saying like uh, un- unfortunate racist phrases. One of his teachers had it like recorded down. There's a, there's a track record there, and I just feel like if you are of that character, and there is this series of recorded events and behaviours. Do you like, yes, it wouldn't be right for the bank to go up to this guy, that guy and just go, oh, well, you're not quite on on board with our values. So we're going to cancel you and you, you. But if you are a high profile politician and you've got this track record, doesn't the bank like, isn't it kind of a bit your fault <laughs> for being no. like that? No. And then the bank no. going, we don't want to associate with people who construe that person as like. No. I disagree. Really? Because- you know what? And I'm not saying I'm not making this connection with Nigel Farage because I don't want us to get sued or you because this is your broadcast platform. Yeah. Racists deserve bank accounts. Right. I'm afraid. Uh, I'm sorry. You can be an absolute fascist and deserve a bank account because we uh, I won't like you. I think your views will be abhorrent. You will be horrific. You may even be criminal in, in, in your views. But that is no you do not have the right to then deprive that person of being able to eat yeah and when pinochet can have a bank account when pedophiles can have bank accounts when people who are actually criminally convicted of murder can have bank accounts well i'm afraid to say that in the day and age where a bank account is a human right yeah um then i'm afraid that it, it it's different to a shop serving refusing you service you can probably go to another shop but if you i'll tell you what changed my mind on it it was hearing the story of someone actually who was completely unsavory. They were a member of Britain First, mm. and they were uh, well. They 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 were not a member. They were aligned with them, um, liked their views. So clearly, not a particularly nice person. Clearly, not someone that you'd ever want to go for a drink with. But they found themselves, and this was way before Farage. They found themselves in a situation where their bank had seen their social media posts they went to use their card one day in in a city i think it was in leeds and they couldn't use any of their cards yeah and they went into the bank and the bank said oh um we, we are withdrawing our banking services we don't need to tell you why and so they couldn't get access to any of their own money they couldn't use any of their cards they couldn't get an answer from the bank for ages which is actually part of the contract of the bank as to why mm. they couldn't. So essentially they were left completely high and dry and they weren't someone with 
a great means of income. Okay, now, so would, would uh, I like that person? No. Would I think their views are abhorrent? Absolutely. But do I think that they should be deprived of the right of being able to buy food? No. But isn't it like interesting that so a second ago you were like, well, I, like um, that I, potentially I could get sued if I said something on this platform. Um, but in the banking world, couldn't you sue the bank if they were found to have facilitated payment um, processes for a racist who then went on to use that money to fund a violent racist organization? Like, is that not part of it as well? Like, they're like... They're like, we can't be seen to be facilitating racists, unfortunately, but I'm sure some other bank down the road will probably help you out. Is there an but element then where of that? Does that I, mean, I think that's a really fair and interesting point. Um, and I suppose, therefore, there would be then, and I think actually what you're raising is the fact that I think the banks have gone a little bit far on some of the legislation that's been around about not funding right. criminality and money laundering and things like that. But then... Well, I guess my counterpoint to that, because I don't necessarily disagree with you, is then what would you do then? I, got, I don't know. So perhaps I'm a, 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 I'm a serial killer, but I'm using my, my debit card to get the train to go and kill someone. Well, mm. is the bank at fault then for allowing that person to use their bank card yeah. to go and do that? Do, do you see what I mean? So, um, Well, again, interestingly, it comes around. So I find myself in a bit of a paradox with this where I'm like, does the bank's service have anything to do with the thing that the person's being charged with? And, and, and this brings us back to the Russell Brand thing. It's like, I don't feel 100% comfortable with them putting the plug on his monetization when the stuff that he's putting on YouTube doesn't really have an awful lot to do with... Like, there's no credible argument there that Google can say, well, we might be facilitating something that could result in that happening and we and might get sued for it. Do you know what I, I mean? I, I, I agree. I completely agree. But also what this has exposed is how much how much these stories aren't actually about Russell Brand or yeah. Nigel Farage. They're actually about something far bigger. But but going back to our point about tribalism, all too often, oh, well, I don't like Russell Brand, so therefore this is going to be okay. Farage hated Brexit, so therefore this is this serves him right. Mm. And I think sometimes we we are in danger because of our tribalism of being the turkeys that end up voting for Christmas because we don't like the person that's delivering the message it's like that, uh, that meme where it's just like a guy with a tear down his thing and it's like heartbreaking a person you hate just made a really good point <laughs> yeah and, and, and I, I want people i hate to make good points well i don't really hate anyone in in, in debate but i i want people like you just really made me think i love that i love that you just made me think oh god yeah but what about like facilitating those criminal mm. orgs? how would that work i love that I, yeah. I'd love that because I I want to be made think made to think by people. I want to find a bit of common ground and think. Well, yeah, that's a really fair point. I think I love that. Yeah, yeah. But and I then, think I, I think I'm not normal in that respect. No, well, it's well, you, you're probably right that you're not. It is an abnormal trait these days for people to want to be challenged and to really like to have that intellectual curiosity and to self-analyze. Because I think you're right. I think most people are so drunk on social media and tribalism that they value the endorphin rush of getting an uptick of a like or a repost or a yeah, you got them, you know, uh, over the like the long term um, endorphin rush of having learned something new or having changed your position. Yes, yeah, that, that gave me I just was like, oh, my God, that, that gave me a bit of a rush. Going, yeah. Actually, yeah. 
Well, well I, aim, I, I, I aim to please, Christo. You, 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 you've, um, you've pleasured me. Can we, <laughs> can we, this early, really? Um, can we yeah. talk a little bit about this FCA thing? Because my, uh, I suppose, somewhat predictable uh, response to that thing yesterday was that, and look, I only literally just scanned the headlines. Um, but my response to it was like, okay, so the FCA have looked into the reasons, the drivers for why people like Nigel Farage were debanked. Yeah, I don't think they looked into him specifically, actually, but I think they mm. looked into the idea of people's bank accounts being cancelled. Yeah. Um, but they didn't they come back with the fi- like the finding was that actually, no, um, this was not really anything to do with his political or people's political um, stances. This was to do with them falling underneath uh, funding thresholds. This was to do with more viable services that they should have been funneled into and have this bank account closed. Um, and the response to that from uh team farage was like oh well this is like the fca it's woke (laughs) the fca has gone woke now it's like is there just one institution or body that you can disagree with that finds against you that you go yep okay well you know if it's not the fca it's the european court of human rights if it's not that it's the eu if it's not that then it's a bank if it's just it's so fucking exhausting christo (laughs) i i don't love the term woke and i try not to use it in in honesty in, in anything i do because I don't like it. Mm. I think, it's, uh, but also it's become a sticking plaster for like anything where you just say, because there are some things that you could consider woke. You know, I I, I absolutely see the point. I take the Mickey out of it constantly on my shows. Actually, about how ridiculous that we've got with certain language. Or last week I was talking about the fact that they're doing a survey in my local council at the moment about my bin collections but they asked me more questions about whether i was transgender than whether i want my bins collected do you know what i mean <laughs> that, to me. that, that i would i would put, consider that even though i don't like the phrase i'd consider that woke uh, but also unfortunately it's become a sort of a, a sticking plaster type uh, phrase that's easily used when you say um oh i think that 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 gay people should have equality you're so woke well no yeah. that's not really woke so um but i I, I do think that that what has happened, and I think this also goes back to the tribalism and so, social media, is that institutions, certain institutions, have got themselves completely tied up in knots about uh, trying to, and in many ways I think it's a massive virtue signal, but trying to make it look like they are completely um, not have no prejudice, completely on board with everything, completely uh, uh, equalities everywhere and all this stuff. And I think that that is probably a fair criticism. I don't know whether the FCA is woke or whether that's a, a sticking plaster term, but certainly... It feels, it, though, like this is another entity, another body that hasn't budged or hasn't found in favor of nigel farage or whatever his movement or media campaign is that week and because it hasn't <laughs> you're so cynical that week <laughs> uh i mean come on like you have to be a bit cynical these days like when when that I, whole I, thing I, was I blowing agree. up the, the annoying thing is i actually agree with him on this thing i mean i'm normally a, a bit with you on this, the, the the weekly outrage of of farage but i've actually agree with him on this and i'm I am perplexed by the FCA because, of course, Coots themselves in their own report, hence mm. their CEO resigning, admitted that it was because of his political views. So how that they can now come out and say, well, actually, we don't think that this is happening. That There are lots of people that things like this has actually 
happen well i think isn't it like the fca are looking at it wholesale like industrially is this a problem is debanking as much of a scandal that we need to look into and then re-regulate whereas coots are looking at it effectively you know sort of domestically like did we fuck up here yes we oh we did okay well then the ceo's got to go um, yeah, because they, they, they did, they immediately denied that it was anything to do with his political views. And then they found that it was something to do with his political views. And then they sort of backtracked on that. And then unfortunately as well, and again, I am not, uh, I get frustrated with the BBC. I'm frustrated with the way it's funded, but I am not a, a, a renter BBC basher. Mm. But my God, they don't do themselves very many favours sometimes by then misreporting it by just taking the words of the CEO and then also themselves needing to backtrack. So uh, Farage doesn't need help sometimes yeah. when those around him, those institutions around him, make it quite easy for him sometimes. Yeah. But then, I mean, again, I don't want to sort of play into the cliche tribal crowd like this. But if I was a BBC journo uh, and somebody from Coots told me this is how it is, I would take that as like, well, this is my source, right? Like they've told me how no, it is. No, so. no, I see again, you're, you're breaking your own rule there, my dear, because you just spoke about cynicism in the context of Nigel Farage. Again, as a journalist myself, if the institution I'm investigating and, and putting a question to the, about their wrongdoing tells me everything's fine and dandy, we did nothing wrong, you should be cynical of that. Say, really? Are you sure? Uh, let's, let's verify that somewhere else as well. Oh, right. So the issue was that they just had one source. They should have checked with like... Yeah, well, I think they just took it as read that it was such a, a credible source that the source itself was good enough. But bearing in mind that that source turned out to be the bank itself, yeah, is that particularly credible at the time? No, If no. an independent source or, or, or someone that was not so aligned to the bank had said, this is all rubbish, then maybe that's okay. Yeah. I suppose, like, so I'm not a... I'm I'm very far from a qualified journalist. I don't know if you've noticed that, Christo. Um, but I I would have I, assumed I, I will resist comment. <laughs> uh, I would have assumed that they would, yeah, like you get a source and then you you use that as your quote and you say like you know a a, a high ranking compliance officer at Coots said this on Monday and then you you send that out and then that would be sufficient. And if it's found to be uh, unreliable and it makes your face red, then you publish. The fact that they that they yeah, gave you shitty time you have, every time you have to do that, you're chipping away a little bit at the credibility of your organisation. I mean, if there was a if there was a story about a particular car manufacturer and the brakes were failing, and I went to that car manufacturer and said, "I think the brakes are failing on this car." The car manufacturer source who happened to be the CEO of that car manufacturer said, "No, no, no, the brakes are fine." Yeah. I'm, okay, well, it's the CEO of the car. I'll I'll publish. They're a good source. Well, yeah. are they credible? Because you know, whilst Granny is wheedling off the road in a ditch because their brakes have failed it's a really uh specific like very <laughs> vivid specific. picture she's on her way to waitrose oh my god it gets deeper yeah. what was she wearing yeah she's paid the ulez as well poor poor cow oh yeah let's talk about this ulez thing right so rishi sunak yesterday announced that he was watering down a lot of the net zero stuff uh to me and a lot of people within my tribe uh, this felt like reneging on a manifesto pledge. I just think like, you know, it's like, and this is something with such urgency to it as well. This is not something that we should be just dithering around. This is something that qualified scientists, way smarter than me, 
and and Rishi Sunak or whoever. Like I'm, they I'm, have I'm, the data on this. We know what's coming. So shouldn't we be leading the way on this? Like it was really crushing for a lot of us to go. Oh fuck! Like are we really? Is this what we're doing? And it and to top it off, to add insult to injury, Christo. Like it felt to me as though the way it was communicated was like. Oh, we're we're doing this for you guys. We're going to save you some money. Britain, like, we're not going to save the world by bankrupting Britain. Brit the British people can't afford it. Number one, whose fucking fault is that that everyone's broke? Number two, I'm not going to be, like, this is about protecting donors <laughs> from expensive greener materials from, like, housing development companies, a lot of whom donate to the Conservatives. But, like, this feels absolutely like protecting donors watering down a manifest like i don't know the, the whole thing pissed I'm, me off I, I, I'm, I'm not well firstly i think some of the hysteria around this from some of your tribe some of you need to get over yourselves a little bit because you know this is not um the massive rollback that everyone is saying i didn't vote for this government i just want to make it clear i didn't vote conservative in the last election um though i consider myself ideologically center-right but I, I couldn't bring myself to vote for boris johnson um i but uh, so the thing about net zero, which I think net zero by 2030 was the only thing that was in the manifesto as a commitment, mm -hmm. um, which I, I think we, I saw net, net zero by 2050, but the car cars being pulled by 2030 in the manifesto, I can't quite remember. Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds right. Right. I, I do not know anyone that doesn't think that the idea of us having a nicer environment, cleaner air, nicer, uh, you know, less rubbish in our, our, our rivers, all that stuff, that's all really, really noble and worthy causes. How can anyone argue against that stuff? Yeah. I fundamentally loathe. I, I, I cannot get my head around how people who, and I'm afraid to say, and I, again, I don't even like using left and right, actually, when it comes to arguments, because I think we're all a bit left and right. But I I have to say that in this instance, I think it is a lot of people more on the left that are, are that will stand by and see the burden being put on the people who could probably afford it the less, at least, who probably pollute the least, mm. uh, whilst there are people who have money and privilege flying around the world who won't have any issue whatsoever with these things being brought in. Now, so, I accept your cynicism regarding donors and all of that kind of stuff and whether this will actually happen. I absolutely do, and I think that that is absolutely fair. However, I thought that yesterday was Rishi's finest day as Prime Minister. I oh really did, because up until now, I thought that he is absolutely pointless. He has not told us anything that he would do. And I'm afraid that when you have an, uh, uh, it, what's happening in London at the moment, which is a £12.50 tax on the poorest drivers, you know, the wealthy drivers aren't affected by that. Wealthy people aren't affected by any of that. Supposedly for the good of the environment, all Rishi has said, and I support him completely in saying this, is look, let's just wait till electric cars are a little bit cheaper. We'll keep the 2050 target. We're still ahead of countless other nations. The 2035 target for, for electric cars is actually just aligning us with the rest of Europe. Europe are doing exactly the same as us. So I think that some of the hysteria around this, that it's some massive betrayal or massive backtrack, is a load of altered. Okay, so just to just to go back to you. have got a lot your... to add back. 
<laughs> well, if if I start, let's start at the beginning. So you said about like the people who can afford it the least and who pollute the least are going to end up being saddled with the, the charges for this. So what specific charges are there that you think somebody on a low income is going to get hit with as a result of what was in the net zero pledges? Well, there's things like the, uh, again, you've got things like green levies on energy bills. You've got the £12.50 ultra-low emission zone. Uh, it's not actually just about charges, but I, I'll, 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 I'll go to those as well. Um, it's also about freedoms, but let me get to that in a moment. It's the idea of plans that are in place, which I find really repellent for things like what Sadiq Khan is the chair of, which is C40 Cities, which is to um, really try and restrict private car use in cities, to try and restrict the amount that you fly. It's what Just Up Oil are actually mm. trying to, to to do, which is, you know, not have, have us flying abroad uh, anymore. It's about the idea that you might have to change your boiler to a heat pump at the cost of absolutely right. thousands but Here's of the thing, like all of these, if, if you actually, if you, if you package all of those up as sort of, let, let's call it like ultra- green zealotry right give it a really evil tabloid name so it's it seems really inconvenient it seems unrealistic that you would prohibit so much of the population from being able to drive around freely it seems really cruel that you would deprive people of a holiday but that is because you you're looking at society through the paradigm of the 20th and early 21st century like where we're gonna get to <laughs> is that pe people just won't be able to go on holiday because everyone will be fucking on fire. People no, won't be able so to I, afford again, things. I'm, with... I'm not, I, again, I'm not a climate denier, but I think that there is hysteria around the way in which our role within that is reported. So I actually, and again, someone I absolutely do not agree with on many things, but I thought Tony Blair spoke absolute sense about this a couple of weeks ago when he said that... Um, he, the, the burden of net zero should not be put on to working people. Now, I believe yeah, that whether yeah, we're yeah. in a cost of living crisis or not. He actually said our role, we we, we pollute 1% um, of the, the, the world. We, that's our, our, where our carbon emissions are. And this idea that we inflict a lack of freedom or financial cost on the normal working people when we pollute so little is absolutely barking mad and what our role should be in the world in this whilst maintaining climate change as a problem maintaining that we should try and get to net zero by 2050 um is that we should be harnessing the fact that we can produce technology and finance uh, coming up with the means by which the countries like china and india can um still enjoy their industrial revolutions which we've been through but can do so in a more carbon friendly way because what what we do here when it comes to the ULEs or driving our cars or to pick our kids up from school or whatever else is it, you know china could change their policy for an hour and outweigh anything that we do so mm. why are we putting our 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 population through this and i fundamentally because it doesn't it agree. like there's a piece to this about like leadership and global britain like we're always banging on about how we are still a, a key player on the world stage wouldn't it have been a great opportunity for britain to be like okay we're going to lead the way on this we only do one percent but we're going to show china and india how it's done that you can reduce your emissions by x percent over the space of seven or eight years that you can roll out infrastructure that supports electric vehicles in a way that's going to help us to reduce or decarbonize like now what we're doing is we're watering it down and we're giving that free pass to these other countries 
where we have no moral authority then to say to China or India, like, guys, guys, can you rein it in a little bit? Because it's getting a little bit hot. Getting a little bit hot over well, in some I'm, of these places. I'm not places. sure we have the, the, the moral authority to do that at all anyway, because we've enjoyed the Industrial Revolution that they are now. And, and now we're saying to them, well, look, maybe you shouldn't. I think we are far better off helping them to mm. not do that so much. But on that point, we're still going to be leading the way. We've still got higher targets to cut down our carbon than any other developed nation. And again, I would just return to the point that do you think that that person who is needs to pick their kids up because they're at two different separate schools and is told that they can't drive to that place. But it's so short-termist, Christo. It's like, how am I going to pick my kids up from the school? Like, what are you going to do in 20 years' time? How how do you think schools and the park and the rivers and, like... It's like, and, oh, and oh you, I, I got to you, pick up my kids. Do you genuinely believe that that electric, uh, that petrol and diesel cars being able to, the cleanest they've ever been, being able to be solved for another five years in the context of the catastrophe you speak of is going to make one iota I think it's of difference? a trajectory. Or do you think it might get more people on board and say, you know what, we need more people to be on board and to not be inflicted with the financial penalty of this if we've got people who can't actually afford to eat because of what they've got to do in 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 pursuit of this stuff then what good is it going to be if um, okay so on that to, to save ourselves yeah on that i i sort of agree with you and and tony blair although i haven't seen that interview meanwhile i'm but... sorry to say you've got you've got you, I am going to swear, you've got fucking Sadiq Khan, who is bringing in all this bollocks, yet deciding to fly to New York. His advisors have been around the world so many times in the pursuit of trying to go to conferences to tell us to fly less. You've got Leonardo DiCaprio stepping off his private jet into a car with diplomatic plates. Yeah, but that doesn't mean they don't have a point, Christo. Like, they can have a point about environmental concerns and fly over here to do it because, frankly, it's more impactful if they're there in the room making the case rather than absent while other people dominate the conversation that's that, that, that absolute rubbish i mean what we're doing now do we need to be did i need to fly to see you or could i be down it would be i think all of my are... listeners and viewers would agree that it, this it would be better if i up up the budget a little bit and we were in person blew me in by a jet i would i would take that you know yeah. it's do, do you the the people who are most affected. Do you think for a second when they see Sadiq Khan or someone or, or the, 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 the COP conferences where there is a sea of private jets flying in and then they're told, by the way, the, the, that holiday that you want to take uh, to Malaga for a week, you are killing the planet by doing yeah. that. I mean, Do there's, you think there's... That those I, messages have any credibility on those people. I get that the optics and the, the this stuff around, you know, setting an example, there's definitely a case to be made around that, that it's it's easier to take the lead or to follow someone in a direction that you perhaps wouldn't have previously wanted to go if they themselves are showing that they are making well, this a sacrifice. Well, precisely the point you've just made. I mean, yeah, how, yeah. Can, how can but, you make the point about us as a nation leading the way I'm when saying, the very people in that nation who are the politicians aren't? But what I'm saying is that there's some nuance gotcha. to this. There's 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 um there's some negotiation to be made where i don't personally judge sadiq khan for flying to an environmental conference if i think the, at the end of it that the greater good is that three or four more nations have agreed that they're all going to help each other to reduce emissions i'd rather that than he stay back here and other people dominate the conversation than we're 
carpet bombed with their policy ideas or somehow impacted yeah, by I just don't I, I don't believe it anymore I mean that maybe I'm just so cynical that this is my afternoon for cynicism but every time I see them all get together I just think oh well that'll be more taxes for us yeah, that'll yeah. be more ways because unfortunately as well every single problem around this is seen through the prism of a restriction of freedoms and an increase in costs and it's not seen as um as incentivizing and that was why i really liked what rishi said yesterday because i've been banging off for so long about you solve problems with carrot not stick make my life better mm. by making the right choice and by the way this government rishi might have had a good day yesterday but this government is absolutely not exonerated when it comes to this stuff make train travel so cost effective i would be a moron to get into my yeah, car. Yeah. Give me school buses. So I only need to get my child to the bus stop. So therefore my life is better by being able to, to, to get on a bus. Give me a council tax discount if I don't have a parking permit for outside. Again, I am, my life is better and I'm saving some money by not having a car. But they never see through see things through that prism. They see it as opportunism to tax people. And that is why it was so repellent that so much of this stuff came in during covid as well mm. All people are off the roads and they're distracted let's so would you let's 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 try to drag you uh well not drag let's try to tempt you over leftward for a second so cheaper train travel uh we don't want to make the poorest in society have to shoulder the cost of some of these initiatives what if we made businesses take the hit on it rather than taxes and higher prices uh, how so so, like, if you have a house building company or corporation, like a Barrett Homes or a Michael Shanley, uh, you are now regulated by the government or whoever the body is that you have to use greener materials. Uh, that is no longer being watered down. And guess what? You can't pass on. It's regulated. You can't pass these costs on. Uh, landlords are going to be told that they have to put their what heat pumps in or, or whatever, and they've got to change the, the boiler to a more environmentally friendly one. Well, they are then regulatorily prohibited from upping the rent off the basis of that so then you're protecting the most cost vulnerable or would you support well, that uh, if it was new build homes the barretts and the like it's it's frankly barking mad to me that new build homes are built with the very stuff that someone would have to change in a but who pays time. for it well, I'm afraid it would probably have to be 50-50, some of it absorbed in the cost of, the, of, the, of them. It would always be passed on slightly, but also if you're building a thousand homes and you could buy a thousand heat pumps, it's going to be far cheaper than one person down the road having to change their heat pump. But that so, logic is also true of boilers, right? If you bought a thousand boilers, it would be cheaper than a regular like one one boiler. So it's just this is about like increase. They're having to buy new technology, which tends to be more expensive. They bring well, that's in... why delaying it is also good because it will mean that the cost of the technology will come down. That's why bringing uh, uh, extending the life of us being able to. But I don't think it has to come down. I think the business pay for it. I think they just go ten thousand pounds for a heat pump as if yes. you buy a single one. Now. You're talking so about I'm, I'm a... multi-million dollar companies, Christo. Oh, they can't no, no, afford no, no, an extra no, no, grand. No, 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 no. You just mentioned landlords. Do you know that ninety oh, percent of landlords like... only own one property? Oh yes, I'm, I'm very familiar. Landlord. Yeah. I'm a bite that land. Or do you think in in a million years I could afford to stick a, a, a heat pump in 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 any of the flats I rent out? Absolutely not in the slightest. How? Not in the slightest. 
How can you not shoulder the cost of a £1,000 heat pump for a flat? It's not a £1,000, it's about £10,000 for a heat pump. It's a fortune. Okay, so in that case, I think it goes back to the government. You bat it back to the government and you say, look, this the landlords can't do this, so you subsidise the cost of it. Well, they are. That's why Rishi Sunak yesterday announced that £7,500 subsidy, you, you support Rishi Sunak's policy. We got you there. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> you dra- dragged me rightward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't drag me left. I've dragged you right. But yeah. no, I mean, I think, again, going back to what I was saying before about, about carrot in, in, instead of stick, look, yesterday it was amazing. He said, yeah, I'll give you £7,500 towards it. So it's not all on your shoulders because we're expecting you to do that and i think that that's that, that is exactly what government should be doing uh, if you if you brought in some of these incentives and again made uh, if if vehicles are the biggest emitter of carbon because it is actually vehicles i think that make a massive chunk of it by actually uh, 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 making public transport uh, cheap by subsidizing that as well so it doesn't need to put cash in people's pockets it could be those sorts of things you'd solve these problems overnight you'd solve these problems Absolutely overnight. Mm. Also, the other thing about this, sorry, this is my real pet hate subject, is the hypocrisy around so much of it. And again, I know I'm being quite London-centric because this is where I live, but the air quality above ground that this apparent ultra-low emission zone is going to solve is nothing compared to the absolute foul, poisonous, toxic crap I'm breathing in whenever I get on the underground. But we don't have any motivation to solve that and to have children breathing that in as if they've gone down a coal mine because there's no money in it because so much of this is about financial opportunism rather than problem solving and you as someone who who cares the most about the poorest in society should be able to cut through that crap the the trains right (laughs) let's talk about the trains for a second isn't the whole thing with like we're talking vehicles carbon emitters the trains that get like it's it's electric right it's already electric So well, no, no, no. It's not all electrified, and some of the lines have not been fully electrified yet. Have they? Every time I go on the tube, it's electric. No, tube you talking about? Or, or yeah, just tube. Tube, tube is electrified. Sorry, I thought you when you said trains, I thought you meant nationally. I assume that you meant the the tube when you talk about like the fume, like going underground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking about that, but when you said trains, I thought you meant you were talking about the national thing because because not the whole of the national network is electrified. But yes, you're right. The tube is electrified. Yeah. So this, I I can't see a case for like creating a sort of ULES thing. <laughs> no, no, I right. don't want a ULES for the tube. I don't right. like regressive taxes. What I want is a lack of hypocrisy where if you're banging on constantly about dying children because of air quality, when actually in an area where air quality is brilliant in order to, to make £200 million a year for TFL, where yeah. if you really cared about air quality, you try and solve it on the tube. But because there's no financial gain by doing that, no one talks about it. But why does the blame fall at Sadiq Khan's feet for this? Because isn't the ULES expansion, wasn't that a condition of his other funding that was coming from central government that was headed up by Grant Shapps at that time? You're, you're partly correct. So the initial, the initial ultra-low emission zone was conceived by Boris Johnson and implemented by Sadiq Khan because it hadn't been implemented when Boris Johnson left office. And as much as I begrudge Sadiq Khan for some of his policies, I actually think that that was the right thing to do because it has been transformative for the air quality in central London. Then when COVID hit, the condition of the TfL funding was to widen the scope of the congestion charge and to um, uh, uh, widen the uh, 
ultra low emission zone. But that was the widening, and you can check full fact for this. You can check the yeah. documentation for this. That widening was to the north and south circular. So that widening was to essentially the whole of central London, um, the whole of zone one and two, and probably a bit of zone three, where there is fundamentally good public transport as well. Um, now, Sadiq Khan's own impact assessments found that there had actually not been a great deal of change to the air quality in those outer boroughs uh, because the central London one had sorted it all out and enough people who were driving into central London were driving from the outer London. So it mm. had a very, very marginal impact. He himself has chosen to then expand it to the M25 because he knows it's a massive revenue raiser, despite knowing that the first expansion had little to no impact. Mm. And most importantly, and we go back to freedoms and people who are probably at the lower end of society being inconvenienced, only 20% of households in those outer London boroughs that border the M25 uh, live within 500 metres of public transport. Mm. Only 20%. So what are those people supposed to do? Mm. It, well, I'll tell you what they're supposed to do. They're either trying to get part of the scrappage scheme, which has been diabolical, and also my tax money and your tax money is paying for. Also un underfunded they, by government. I'll just add that in. Uh, I will under uh, add that in, but why should also the government fund something that they're also against? Yeah, that, that will have no impact. But then it's like I pan out of this. I'm like, OK, well, why is Sadiq Khan as mayor of London so desperate for cash? Like, is there a conversation here about underfunding the capital city, starving it because it's labour led at the moment? And I, I then think that's a very fair point. And I think that that that. Um, but, but, but to then do that cash grab on the poorest Londoners is repellent. But also, um, that's why if I ran for London Mayor, I'd run on the uh, on the on the, the the mandate of abolishing the office. I think that it's absolutely ridiculous that you have a, a, a mayors of major cities that aren't aligned with the government, meaning it becomes completely party, party political. But oh, I got excited. I thought you were going to say like, if I became mayor, I would run on abolishing the office, as in like make everyone work from home, and then there's less commuting. <laughs> Like the work from home revolution. I was dragging you back leftward well, again, Christo. If we all work from home as London Mayor, that would mean, unfortunately, that Sadiq Khan would have to dispense of his five litre, £200,000 armoured Range Rover that he gets driven round in. All oh, the my time. God. Look at the Look at the hate. Look at the I'm hate in it, your... <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it's not hate. It's, it's, it's seeing through the bollocks. And yeah. it, it frustrates me that he's seen... Uh, and that he manipulates figures. And also, do you know what really frustrates me, which is a part of exactly where you and I started, that initial people who were concerned about this expansion of the ULS to the M25, you compared them to the far right, yeah. which is so unhelpful when it comes to this sort of thing. You know, we talk about woke being thrown around as a label towards people who might have some empathy or all those sorts of things well comparing people who are worried about paying for the ulis to the far right is is really awful yeah i mean i suppose it doesn't help that the anti-ulis anti-sadiq stories tend to be right next to <laughs> a daily mail article that's disparaging a young black woman that day or you know it's it's easy to box all of that stuff up together maybe sometimes well maybe but then you're talking about the media's role but when he's doing when he's doing mayor's question time and a person in the audience who is talking about the fact that he 
take in his old car, his wife, to cancer treatment, and he has to make a decision now about whether he continues to take her to cancer treatment or whether he heats his home. Mm. And Sadiq Khan answers by going on about how this person is, is, is putting themselves in the same camp as the far right. I think that that's an awful way of trying to shut down the debate and the criticism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if that was me, I'd be like, look, the, the cost of heating is a there's a conversation around that and everyone should be getting more help and fundamentally that comes back to the fact that they didn't want to put in a meaningful price cap or nationalize energy or like there were so many solutions they could have put in to protect people from these escalating uh heating bills which then started off the inflation problems all of this talk about lockdown starting inflation i'm like it's funny how inflation didn't actually come knocking on anyone's door until the energy crisis Oh, I don't know. I mean, I th I think it's a it's a mixture of ills. Really, actually. I think that the well, I think the money that was pumped economy through the 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 the, the, the lockdown, and yeah, that yeah. had a that had a contribution towards inflation, but also the fact that energy prices went so high because of Ukraine. I mean, it's all these factors that are in place, um, but also as someone who has traditionally supported privatization because I'm a Thatcherite. Um, I don't believe what we have now is anywhere near what Thatcher um, envisaged with privatisation. Yeah. Thatcher was absolutely passionate about it bringing prices down for people. The whole point was that the competition was supposed to make it better for people and improve services. But isn't this um, the and, whole and, thing? Like people would say, and look, I'm not an economist or, or you know, a far left Marxist, but. Uh, isn't isn't this the like the idea behind like why capitalism is so fundamentally flawed because you privatize these things where you have like any industry you you pick the fucking industry and it will end up at some point whittling down to a big four big three and then they just price fix and that's it, it like the problem of the price fixing thing is only amplified when you're talking about like a monopoly company like a train line where it's like we're I... private now so you guys get competition oh fucking really well it seems to me like you you're running the train line and we're all in hot like we have to pay that money to get to work well, so it's i Sorry, think you that those are, are very fair points um i don't agree with all privatizations mm. i believe that actually the um the trains are not in a state to be privatised because you, the, the essence of privatisation was supposed to be competition. Mm. You can't run more than one train line on a train line. So how can you compete? Which is why when you have things like HS2, if you had five lines going to each uh, city and you could say, right, well, I'm going to take that train company, they'd all compete. But you would, we're subsidising a monopoly. Same with water. I don't understand how water could be privatised when it's a monopoly. So those things make no sense to me whatsoever. Um, but what you're talking about when it comes to the other industries that have been privatised is completely unfettered, unregulated capitalism. And that, to me, is a failure of government, mm. a failure of successive governments, because um, you know, the role of government, as far as I'm concerned, is that that's where regulation comes in. That is where accountability comes in. They shouldn't be allowed to price fix. They shouldn't be allowed to do those sorts of things personally um and i think that this is where perhaps keir starmer i think he had this is one of his first policy announcements and if, if i'm if i'm not misrepresenting it i thought it was quite a good idea having and i don't know how it would work with 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 regulation and competition and whether they, it would be deemed um unfair but the idea of having a 
government-owned energy company competing with the other energy companies, meaning that the other energy companies have to compete to keep their prices low, mm. that to me would be the way of solving the problem where you don't have full nationalisation, but you have a role for the government within the market that keeps the market healthy. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that would, that would to me, feel like at least a step forward, some sort of ne like negotiation to, to have a happy medium. Um, to yeah, the idea the of nationalising everything again, I don't think would ever... Mm. It'd be very work. similar to what like social housing was originally supposed to do before they sold it all off, right? Like you have a social housing element within the market. Me, to people like me. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, but the problem, no, no, but I, I, ironically, I agree. I absolutely, 100% yeah. agree. And actually, you know, you just nearly fell into the trap yourself before I dragged you right. Um, the demonization of landlords is seen as the, the, uh, uh, the way in which you solve the problem of the lack of social housing and the lack of housing altogether. And that is one of those policies, which I'm afraid we also we have an awful lot of nowadays, where everyone says, well, yes, we'll make the landlords pay and that'll, oh, we all feel better for that. Let's tax the landlords and let's, let's, let's have rent controls. Oh, that'll make us all feel better. No, it won't solve the problem. No, no, I agree. Feel I agree. The, the, the way in which you solve those problems is the chronic lack of social housing which has been abysmal by successive governments and it is a, a, a national scandal that we haven't had more house building and more more social house building mm. yeah I, I mean i agree on that so I've, I've talked about this before like my girlfriend is a is a landlord or landlady um and yeah she says the same things as you she's just like you know everyone gets like <clears throat> i've i've sort of badgered her before about like she should set up a twitter account called like the ethical landlord because she sort of leans left she wants to provide a good place for her tenants she's very socially conscious um as indeed you would expect going out with someone like me um uh but yeah she always says i love that woman yeah. sorry <laughs> uh, but she always says similar stuff she's like she's like everyone always bashes the landlords the landlords just want like happy tenants who stay there renting for a long time who are safe and uh like paying their rent on time like the, the... And, and i completely i'm again maybe i'm a left-wing landlord because i'm passionate about the places i rent out are are, are beautiful they're really nice mm. i make sure that they're nice every single one of them has um you, you, you know things like the british gas uh, or, or similar insurances where you know the gas the boiler the plumbing the drains everything is covered every single month something goes wrong even if i'm not around yeah, so, you know, I've given access. They can call them and get someone around within twenty four hours. I've got, uh, then the bill comes to me. You know, it's it's. It, um, I'm absolutely um, passionate about making sure that the the places that I rent out are, are nice, that they're a fair price. I don't put the rent up very often. Every few years, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's th a big that's... thing as well, isn't it? It's like the, the landlords always hike hike up the rent. They're greedy landlords. It's like my girlfriends always say, like landlords place their rent at what basically what they need to versus the buy-to-let mortgage that they're on that's it like they just want happy tenants they're not like hiking up if the rent goes up it's because the mortgage like the interest rates have gone up and if the interest rates have gone up then that is probably the fault of government <laughs> so yeah, it and, all and, comes back and, to government well but also we've had historically barking mad interest rates for too long because the bank of england have been not doing their job properly because the time interest rates should have gone up shouldn't have been the crisis they should have been coming up um a, a while they, ago but they kept them low right like because of 
the housing market. So as houses have become so outrageously expensive, in order to get a certain subset of the population on the ladder every year and allow them to survive that mortgage affordability check, you have to keep the monthly repayments as low as possible. <laughs> so it's like one point, our mortgage when we bought this place was like 1.9%. I was like, oh yeah, this is affordable. And then come the, you know. Yeah, no, the, I, th I think that as well, that takes us to, quite nicely to uh, well also if the government doesn't control interest rates bank of england does because sure. yeah, they, yeah. they would deregulate from the government but i think what is going back to the point about house building which would regulate slowly but surely the the, the rate at which prices go up of houses um i think that that's a big part of why successive governments haven't built a lot of housing because they don't want the prices to regulate because they know that the the people who are probably most likely to go out and vote in their own interests are going to be the ones who are uh, homeowners and that's why I think we need sort of a 20 or 30 year strategy do you know my partner my husband he's um he's Syrian and we talk a lot about like Middle East politics and stuff and he really is getting me on to uh hang on my Siri just came up I don't know why oh because oh, you said Syria. can you hear that <laughs> I didn't catch that. Can you try again? Uh, um, I don't know why when I started talking about um, Middle East politics, my Siri came up. But he's really getting me on board with the idea of dictatorships. Uh, <laughs> he really is. Because at least then you can have a 20-year strategy. Yeah. You could, Do you know, I was like, just thinking this earlier. I was just like, how weird is it that we, it was about like two or three years ago, a lot of commentators were saying in order for the US, in order for the West to compete with China, there is this idea that they will have to essentially become China because China can manufacture and regulate and legislate to make their workers work how many hours a day and to do this and they don't get any holidays. And so they can just churn out products so fucking yeah. quickly. So for the US to compete in that market, they'll have to become China or they have to become some sort of authoritarian dictatorship. I just think it's really interesting. It only landed in my head earlier today or last night. I was like, it's interesting that the US is sliding more and more to that. Like, it's my belief that if Trump gets in again, I think probably what you'll see is some sort of relaxation of presidential term legislation and he will then be greenlit for a third term. Um, That's I never thought about that. That is an interesting... I think you um, would like to think that the Republican Party would go like, oh, no, 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 we can't, we can't have that. We won't fuck with the Constitution. We would never do it. But they're so just in love with him and or scared of him or that i i think if that's what he wanted to do i think they would all go like oh well i can't go against him or my own state constituency that, will go but, nuts uh, like but i think he plays to a lot of people who um and i talk to a lot of people like this every single week and i've i've spent a lot of time demonizing some of these people especially over brexit mm. I really couldn't get over Brexit. I really was upset about that. And I was an annoying Ramona for a long time because I really demonised the very people that Trump speaks to and the very people that voted for Brexit. And that is this, these people that just haven't been listened to for so long and feel like that, that, that politicians don't speak their language and don't represent them. Mm. And I, I think that if we, again, circle back to the entire start of this conversation, that is why it is so important that we listen more and we try and discuss and talk about solutions that, that actually bring everyone along with them. Because otherwise you do end up with the Trumps or the people that, that or the Boris Johnsons or the people that just uh, 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 are prepared to say anything. Mm.
for their own advancement and to tell people what they want to hear rather than actually with integrity who are prepared to to solve problems and so um that's why these conversations that are respectful and fair are so so important that's a nice note to leave on um it's quite uncharacteristic you're not, of this you're show not as well. talk about how much many of your lefty friends love me uh, I haven't haven't mentioned that yet. No, yes. Uh, no, I sh- shall I shall I embarrass anyone? I'll just <laughs> I'll just say yes. You 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 often seen. I think you said before we started uh, filming that you're often seen as a sort of acceptable face of British conservatism by some members on the, the who, who sit left of centre. And I would agree acceptable with that. Acceptable face they... of centre right. Don't call me a conservative because I'm not always a conservative. Would you? Are you going to vote Tory next GE? Do you reckon? I'm not convinced yet. Okay. Do you know what I want to do my next the next general election? And, and and I never thought these words would come out of my mouth, but I just want to spawn my ballot paper. Really? Yeah. None of the above. No one represents me. No one. I can't think of anyone that remotely uh, represents what I what I want, what I stand for. I'm no thinking has... I'll start my own political party, but it will literally just be called Get the Tories Out because I think the branding is so... Like, people are so sick of the corruption, the lies uh the u-turns the political and like business instability uh i think if you just had get the tories out like this is the whole thing with like keir starmer's labor party is people go like look you have to have a message you've got to have policies that people are g'd up about you can't just be we're not the tories well if i walk in there with my party like just get the tories out i've snatched that branding right underneath that motherfucker but but that is you i just identified the problem because Labour to me, and I'm I'm not saying this because I plan on voting Tory. I've not been convinced by the Tories yet. But but what because of what Sadiq Khan's done to London, because my local authority are Labour in in London, I I, I, I absolutely couldn't bring myself to vote for them mm. at the moment either. And I also have very little idea what they stand for and and a policy of i'm going to let the other guys just be as shit as possible as, as a strategy to get into government is 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 not a strategy you need to stand for something rather than not stand for for anything going back to your idea though i've often thought of that about a political party called zed none of the above because if you're zed you're at the bottom of the paper yeah and then it's just none of the above and that that is the party and you tick that box and it's no one else or my other dream is I would love just once, and I don't know whether this would ever happen, but I'd love spoiled ballot papers to actually win a seat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I so that, you know, the, 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 the person, I can't remember what they're called, the, the, the person that does the, the announcement, what's their name? I can't remember what they are. In an election, they have to actually announce that the most votes went to spoiled ballots. Yeah, and then yeah. the person who wins the seat came second. I'd to like to see that just like, like um purely on the basis that presumably if spoilt ballots won literally every one of the candidates would be crying in the sports hall at like 2 a.m <laughs> yeah and that the person that won came second <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> load of like abuse on, <laughs> on paper so um that's where i am at the moment with my where i'm going to vote cool cool good to know thank you so much for uh for joining me uh christo um guys if you're not following him do give him a follow on twitter or formerly known as twitter x and uh christo will be on Chris, talk- christo christo underscore radio there you go christo. there's no h in christo and don't follow at christo because that's a poor doctor who lives in spain or something <laughs> he gets so much abuse <laughs> by people who think it's me yeah 
He's like, he's just just trying to do some surgery or something. Just trying to, his like yeah. phone's blowing up. <laughs> I didn't like what you said about this. Yeah. No, um, one of the NHS is in crisis. He just wants to do an operation. For God's <laughs> sake, God love him. Um, oh, and when, when are you on Talk TV again? Talk radio? I do weekend early breakfast, uh, which is 5 to 7 a.m. I also I cover a lot of shows as well, so I'm doing late nights. Yeah. When, is, when does this drop? Uh, this will be out on Friday night, half seven. Okay, well, I'll be doing uh, late nights on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, and I'm on Vine a lot, and I'm a gob on a stick. My there answer phone is, I'll do it, leave, leave the fee off the phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, cool, man. Right, thanks again. Always a pleasure. Take care of yourself. Thank See you, you next time, guys. Cheerio. Mm-hmm.